Do I know if you wanted to host today? Um, as I, I have a rough voice, but may go at any point. The launch event that we did in Spain was with Sage. I'm all saged up this week. <laughs> we had the Spanish Sage team all join. You're just like more sangria. Una más, por favor. If you're at a party, you need to make sure it's a Sage party. I was told to watch out for your dance moves, Chris, but we never made it in. Check them out. Was there much dancing going on? There may have been. <laughs> may have challenged me to a dance off. Sort of like you know, fighting on the uh, on the cloud. You guys should just be on the dance floor all the time. You know, get Gary Turner in and. One Shermeister, here he comes. Shuffling along. To give you a dance off live on Zoom. <laughs> have you seen my my OnlyFans account? Or something. You have one. That's making the outtakes. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Welcome to today's Digitals in a Cruel World episode eight. We're joined by the big green dynamic accounting machine that is Sage. Chris Downing is here to talk to us about why Sage isn't and has never been a dinosaur. Thank you to all of the listeners who have taken the time to download and subscribe to the podcast so far. We see ourselves as a go-to in the digital accounting space for all things to do with app news, and we hope you are enjoying the podcast so far. We'd like to say thank you to our latest reviewer, who is Lupin Lawrence. Thank you for your five star, and we hope that more of you who are listening to the podcast will leave a review, share it on LinkedIn, subscribe, and please do share feedback on what you enjoyed about the episode. If you'd like to see more of the outtakes, if you'd like to see less of the outtakes, if you'd like to also know more about the interviewees and any other resources that we mentioned on the podcast. Before we go any further to the interview, throwing it over to Ryan to share his sexy Barry White voice today. He's been doing a little bit too much speaking at Accounting Web Live, but hopefully he can tell us how his week was. Thanks, Indy. I'm not sure anyone will compare me to Barry White, and I'm not going to sing. No matter how many requests we get in, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, yes, so Accounting Web Live was great. It was a really good experience. Met, you know, caught up with everyone, had a lot of fun. And by the end of the day, I could barely speak anymore, which I think John was loving after spending a day with me. But yeah, I have a very husky voice now. It's not recovered. So yeah, good week, but struggling now. And John, how did you find accounting web? What were the highlights, lowlights? What was the gossip? Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed accounting web live as well. I was there on the first day, didn't manage to make the second day. It was good to see one or two new apps out there in the marketplace. It was good to see some of the apps that, that Ryan and I have helped come through the early adopters hub, get some stands there and, and show off what they're, what they're really good at. I didn't really manage to catch many of the talks. It's fair to say that quite a lot of the, the topics and things have been have been done to death before really enjoyed being there networking speaking to all the vendors speaking to people in the space and just finding out all the really exciting stuff that nobody actually speaks about on any of the stages that sounds great i did hear a lot about the controversial talks from a couple of our esteemed accounting peers so i look forward to seeing some of the recordings to do with that and it is i was super sad to have missed it this week but chris how did you find it being exhibitor side how was it for you I think it was great, actually, because, um, as John says, it's great to sort of see people again, but also it's the wide variety of app players out there, because I think we've all been in lockdown a little bit too long, haven't we? And there's a limit to how much new information you can consume by a team, Zoom and the various webinars. And there was just so much content available. So whether you're looking at, let's say, 
about how to grow your practice or look at hear the latest about MTD or look at that say whether timesheets are good or bad for your practice there's a conversation starter for everyone and then also the fact that everyone was just so open uh, speaking about the challenges over the last 12 18 months and also we cannot forget that any event isn't an event with a day one after party and i think day one after party uh, has certainly gone down very very well was um was dave Selick djing again he's always he was. that's right yeah and jordan from pixie yeah. they'll take has it in really turns. great taste yeah mm -hmm. i hear there was some interesting dancing going on chris there's never interesting dancing, it's just very good dancing. There's a, there's a few videos out there on the um, old internet if you want to find them. Great, that is going to be my personal challenge this weekend. <laughs> Fantastic, so we're looking forward to having you on today's episode to talk to us more about Sage, recent acquisitions, exciting plans that you've got. And we heard a little bit of a preview of that from James Ashford on episode six. So if you haven't already listened to that, stop now. Don't let us spoil the episode for everyone else that hasn't already listened to James Ashford. Download episode six, have a listen, and then come back to us. Before that, on to App News. So in App News this week, has anyone got anything that they want to kick off with? Uh, yeah, so I will start today with the announcement by Sage of the of the launch of Sage for Accountants and their aim to be a single source for all the software and data that accountants will be using and they have made some noises about being an agnostic platform so you'll be able to connect to in other tools like Xero and, and QBO for example but they're real players that they're going to have everything from the, from the Sage suite there in one place which includes obviously things like auto entry and the Go proposal products and payroll and everything else in there. They've launched a series of incentives to go with that so there's a reward scheme and ability to get products either for free for a period of time or a reduced rate. Am I being dim? But hasn't Sage all for accountants? Well, that's a good question. Zero kind of stole their crown on this when they came into the UK because obviously Sage were the number one accountancy partner in in the UK, and then Zero came in and went, "Oh, that's a really good idea. We'll pinch that idea and 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 really play on it." So let's see. Great. And then um, there's something from Zero this week. So they've made some underlying changes to the design engine which means that they can make a consistent look and feel appear across all of the different various parts of the Xero software. In essence, I think it's just codifying what is a style sheet and making sure that every new acquisition is made, looks and feels the same, have a consistent experience from start to finish. And the other thing was, again, Xero made a formal apology this week on the quality of their of their system and they've said that they are going to make major code changes within a sort of six week period. I think in the past they've made sort of hundreds of thousands of different changes and some of them are very small and iterative and some of those can cause system outage issues. So they've tried to curtail that by enforcing a minimum period of six weeks that they will make those sorts of changes. Zero have gone through a period where their system has just not been reliable. And I think it's good to have come out and stated that, but, you know, just brings it to a head and that they've realized that the way they've been releasing the product, it's not good enough. So it's good they're making changes. I've got something on Simpro. Simpro raised 350 million um, recently, and they did that to buy two competitors. They have bought Clock Shark, which is a time tracking tool, 
and Aeroflow, which is pretty much a direct competitor in the, their space, and which is about the facilities management and the, and the trades. Interesting raise purely to buy competitors and obviously become more dominant in the market. I love Simpro. I think we should get them on the next episode or one of the future episodes to talk about their plans then for their acquisitions. Yeah, sounds good. Sure we can do that. I think we're both partners, aren't we? Yes. Yep. So I've got some really fun, exciting news on open banking rules. And the FCA consulted earlier this year on scrapping the 90-day rule for, for open banking, which they've finally finished the consultation. And they announced a few days ago now that from March next year, that rule is gone. So I know that there were quite a few accountants out there who are using things like bank feeds and various products and using some of the newer open banking payment solutions around the 90-day rule was felt to be a little bit of an inhibitor to, to encouraging clients to sign up and keep things like bank feeds live. And really interesting, actually, the, there was some research, which I think the FCA did, I could be wrong, but it said that having implemented the 90-day rule, what, what a lot of apps were seeing was that over 56% of users were dropping off as a consequence of this 90-day rule being in place. So it's definitely getting rid of a barrier. I think it'll have more effect probably on the consumer side. For me, it's really interesting on the audit side because we're trialing a few open banking tools on the audit side, which having continued access to would provide some real competitive advantage for us. Uh, it was good to see that they changed it to a notification at 90 days Correct. that you are, you are still connected in case you want to do something about it. Um, I've got, well, we, must be, we must be on a, a record run of open banking discussions per podcast at the moment. So I missed Accounting Web Live this week, gutted, but want to hear all of the details. How was it? And who did you meet? And was there anything interesting? Oh, gosh. Well, who do we meet? I think we met pretty much everyone, didn't we? Well, certainly felt like it anyway. Yeah. It was really great to see the likes of Cresco, Comma, Connect4 and Tim, all of whom have come through the early adopters hub that, that Ryan and I are involved in, well, with the exception of Comma. So for those that don't know, Cresco and, and Comma in particular are, are open banking payment solutions, either for making payments by a business or for collecting payments. Connect4 did start life as a, as a video conferencing tool, but has now moved into something much more complex and much more rounded. So they now offer the ability for accountants and other businesses to create what they call pods for all of their contacts and that enables you to create meetings, share information, have those calls as well. But and they've they've working hard on building integrations with lots of other CRM and practice management tools as well. So it's going to really give them a lift. And then Tim is a messaging service which sits um, alongside apps like Xero and Dext so that you can message query things on things like invoices and get approvals for, for payments and things like that. So really interesting set of apps. Well, I'm impressed, John, that you remembered all those details on Connect4 because we were at the Airwallex dinner at that point and I'm pretty sure we were a few drinks in. A big shout out to Airwallex as well, who are relatively new to the UK market. Um, they were over at the Digital County Show. I think that's where they pretty much launched, but they've had a, a huge raise recently in capital and part of that is a big push into Europe focusing on, on the UK. So you'll be seeing a lot more of them. 
Yeah, and I also saw the guys at iPlicit. I've been dying to get in front of those for a long, long time. So iPlicit, for anyone that doesn't know, is a, is a larger sort of ERP type system. So it definitely sits on that level above Zero, Sage, QuickBooks, et cetera. So probably competing in the space of sort of XLedger and, and, and Accounts IQ space. But they've just launched a brand new stock module. So it's a new addition to the, to the product. Looks really, really interesting. But they also do have other integrations with things like Unleashed as well. So so, you know, there's a few options there if you're in that space and you're outgrowing a smaller cloud products. Yeah, and then um, I bumped into the, the group at Hammock, um, which uh, was new to me, to be honest. They're, they're an app that are focusing on the MTD compliance for landlords. So unlike an app that would integrate into Zero or QuickBooks Online, they would deal with the finance side. The landlords effectively managing the collection of the rent for their tenants, the, the property maintenance, and then the financial aspects straight into HMRC's portal once the MTD uh, release has come out. In the meantime, you can export or just take the summary information to put straight into your tax return. Very interesting. They're definitely mar marketing themselves kind of below where their Arthur Online space is. I don't see much of a competitor in the landscape at the moment. Yeah, and I think they're like a pretty cool, fascinating app who definitely sprung up as a consequence of uh, the MTD changes. So when people in the accountancy sort of community are moaning about you know everything that's coming around because of MTD, you just have to look at the opportunity and the, and the, and the creativity of the marketplace to, for, for someone to look at that and see it as a, as a way to launch a new business. I also bumped into the ladies from Guest Online, which is a cloud-based audit tool. I started life over in France, and it's been around in the UK for a while now, probably just before the pandemic, but probably haven't really, as a consequence of everything that's gone on, haven't really managed to sort of get a real foothold over here. So they've, they're sort of relaunching themselves here with the intention of targeting the market in particular. And part of that is that they have worked with the guys at HAT, which is one of the audit methodologies that... that auditors will be familiar with and brought that into the product it's interesting to see that because we're now starting to see audit products moving into into the cloud we've obviously got my work papers who've been in that space for a little while with mercia good to see some competition finally for me a new app that i hadn't come across that i guess it was very interesting space at the moment with the likes of uh, cresco comma is libio that's come across um, i'm probably not saying that right but that's how i pronounce it l-i-b-e-o that's come across from France, very similar to what Comma are trying to deliver, but doing it in a different way. So it's about the payment of supplier invoices in an efficient manner. But instead of using the open banking payment rails, they're using direct debit mandates to pull that information down. So not needing a temporary bank account, because I guess a lot of the, the apps, the software that's already in this market, use a temporary bank account that you transfer money in, and then you make your bill payments from there. This, similar to Comma, is going to be a direct link. So you pick your invoices and go through the approval process and then draws the money down and goes across to your suppliers. And the payment to the suppliers is immediate, but the money coming out your bank is in arrears. So effectively, they're loaning you money for a small period of time, which good on them. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them over time. Payment solutions are, are flying at the moment here in the UK. And I'm interested to see that something's coming across from mainland Europe because we haven't seen too much of that for anyone who's in the us if you use bill.com you know libeo or libio whatever it is 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 very very similar well i think that was it for me from accounting web live but we've got some news on hubdoc or, or zero and hubdoc um in which they're turning off their fetch connections that are in place when zero bought the hubdoc system and has been developed over time they're turning that off from the 31st of January 2022. So we, we've got less than two months before that disappears. 
and they're going to be replacing that with direct API connections. Now, the reason for them doing this is that a lot of the software vendors that they connect into, and generally how this worked is that they would use your login details and scrape the information from the website. Those vendors are blocking them due to mostly the rollout two-factor authentication. So as things are being turned off or they're not being able to go in, they're having to remove them as a list. And I think they've got to a point where it's like, we're just going to have to get rid of them all now. I just don't think the API connections are anywhere near the same volume they had before. So this is going to hit those HubDoc users pretty hard. So if you are a user of HubDoc, you may want to look into what connections you're going to lose and how that's going to impact your operations. Yeah, it's a big change, isn't it? I think if you think about where HubDoc came from, you know, that was their key feature. That was like usp back in the day uh, obviously now well replicated across the ocr marketplace but i know i was told by someone at zero over two years ago now that they were stopping any significant investment in the fetch features of hubduck so it's interesting to see that they've now had to pull it as a consequence of, of things like two-factor authentication which isn't an isolated problem for hubduck it affects all of the apps in this space who, who are used similar things but I suppose the key thing with this is that unlike open banking, where we've got a consistent set of standards and a consistent API, there's nothing like that at all from the suppliers. So this is going to be implemented on an ad hoc basis, which means it's going to take time for everyone in this market to build and, or rebuild these connections. A little piece from me. So Bocchio was a free accounting software, has now introduced pricing tiers. So as a business, you can still use some of the functionality for free, but it's limited. You can do things like manual bookkeeping and a receipt inbox and some automatic reporting as well as VAT for MTD. But then there are some features that you can't use unless you subscribe. And the price is still relatively cheap. So $8.99 per month if you are on a sort of balance price plan or versus $15.99 per month on a business price plan. And that just extends the amount of what you can do with them. So you can manage director's payroll, bank feeds are unlimited, use of the mobile app and some other bits like that. Well, I'm aware of them. So I think they're a Scandinavian. Um, Swedish. Or, Swedish, originally from Sweden. And the way they approached the market was good, the, the free solution, but the system didn't do a lot of what was required in for the UK for a lot of small businesses. Um, I don't think it really had a VAT process that was effective. And I know they were developing that, but I think maybe this change is so that they can actually invest properly to, to compete, which is probably a good move. Even though they've got pricing tiers, they're still at the free, free version. It means they can actually develop the software out um, at a faster pace. Agreed. I th- oh, well, this goes back to what we were talking about with LMH way back when, wasn't it? You know, products have got to raise money somehow, which means they've got to charge their customers to invest in the products because otherwise... Bocchio ran the risk of being another wave, you know, which was in the UK market a while ago now. Free bookkeeping product, very, very similar. And then because they didn't charge anybody any money, they had to pull out and they're gone now from the UK market. Yeah, well, um, moving away from Bocchio or Bocchio, I still don't know how to pronounce that one. There's a, a quick update from me regarding ServiceMate. They've released version 10, which I always think is funny when you've got cloud-based technology with versions, but they have gone slightly backwards with this you can now install a desktop version of ServiceMate onto your system. So from pure cloud now into a hybrid solution. Other improvements that come out is you can scan, your customers can scan a QR code to enable payments, similar to the likes of Cresco, uh, which we mentioned earlier, Um, a much more streamlined online booking uh, solution. And you've got some greater visibility over your actions and what your employees and contractors are doing. 
Yeah, cool. And QuickBooks have also just recently released their onboarding hub. So this is a series of resources aimed at practices, aimed at accountants, and it's got all sorts in there. So they, you know, training webinars, tutorials, MTD support, onboarding sessions that they can arrange as a, as a complimentary service for clients. So really exciting for them to do that. You've got to provide some good interesting support for for accountants and really just keeps them up up to speed really with with the likes of zero and others who, who do similar things and then um, a last bit from me is just a quick one from unleashed they've made some tweaks to their system they've upgraded their bi vision which is i guess their advanced reporting pack inside unleashed on the back end to enable greater reporting between different periods and they've improved their shipments api so can do a lot more from that side for integrations into other systems and then expanded their purchase inquiries which the nuance is that they can, you can get great visibility over where stock is and then how you allocate that to different areas. Tiny bit of news from me, and it speaks to today's episode, Big Sage Week for Spain. So they launched their fintech platform in Sage Spain, and it includes a range of different types of payment options, different partners that can now work with SMEs and it's a segue I guess to what will be happening in some of the other countries so it's one to watch we have just launched as an ISV partner into Sage did a major launch with them in Spain this week when you say we you mean Arex Markets and not the Digitals and Accrual World podcast shall I say that Um, all again no, no. Yes, I did mean Arex Marcus. Sorry. I should clarify. Arex has just launched in Spain with Sage and very excited about that. Hopefully it means that we can invite some other members of Sage to the podcast in future episodes. Or some other members of the podcast in Spain. Welcome. And then just a nice segue to the raises that we've seen in the market this week. We've got Nook, who raised $1.1 million in a pre-seed round. They're a bill capture approvals and payments app. I don't know if you guys work with Nook at all. I've got a demo scheduled in very, very shortly after this recording. And open banking has had a massive impact on payment solutions in the account space. And what I do know about them is that they've got some integrations with all of the usual players. So Zero, QuickBooks, Sage, and they're all about enabling payments. And this is a very competitive area, so Nook will need a hook to differentiate themselves. I'm, I'm here a week. Uh, and then we've also got Pixie, who raised £2 million. Pixie specialises in workflow integrations with programmes. They have started recently working with BTC, and they have got a great piece of kit in terms of building specialised workflows, depending on your practice need. They focused the accounting web on that integration with BTC. That was, that was a drive um, at, at the event. It's an interesting space they're moving into because they're trying to solve the problem where the practice management solutions that the larger firms um, use, because there's nothing really in the cloud that fully solves all the problems, it's hard to integrate and get better automation. And that's where Pixie are, are trying to, to pitch this. So their raise is going to really help them develop that a lot faster. And they're going to be competing against the likes of CCH, Sage, et cetera, building a practice management suite directly into the cloud. And finally, is Airwallex's raise. So that's $100 million at a $5.5 billion valuation. What would that be, John, in terms of unicorn terms? <laughs> don't, don't throw me under the bus here, Indy. I, I'm, I'm out of my unicorn made-up terms. That's a quintacorn, isn't it? Would it be a quintacorn? Quintacorn, yeah. Quintacorn. That sounds cute. <laughs> 
I believe that 100 million was actually a completion on a previous round. So they had done another part of the raise. So it's just to complete that final round. The AirWallets raise is really to help them push into other jurisdictions. They are huge over in Australasia and they cover quite a large area of functionality. So as well as dealing with the Forex side, they deal with staff expenses as well. And so they're competing against multiple different apps in the UK. And it'll be interesting to see how they change their marketing to differentiate and find their unique or their USP. It's great that they've recognised that, that there are certain things that need to come into the product for, for the UK. But equally, as you sort of said, Ryan, they've got a quite a wide suite of potential products in there and very competitive on, on pricing and everything else. So. so as Indy said, we've got Chris Downing here from Sage and really, really excited to get an interview from him and just hear a little bit more about what he's been doing with Sage over the last few years, because I think it's fair to say he's definitely raised the profile of Sage and reinvigorated them as a brand in the accounting space. And we'll see what's going to be happening with Sage over the next six to 12 months or so. So over to you, Chris, tell us a little bit more about your background, how long you've been at Sage and what you've been doing to, to build that profile. Hi, John, and thanks for having me today. So a little bit about me. So Chris Downing, been at Sage since June 2018. Uh, the three and a half years have literally flown by. But prior to that, I was an accountant by trade for 19 years. And in that period, I only worked for one firm. So actually, Sage technically is my second ever job because our first firm, I, I did work experience when I was at college. They took me on straight after university from, let's say, little office junior, making the coffee, reconcile the bank, no, ticking the bank in those days, auditing, and then also became partner. Uh, when I was in accountancy, I had a real sort of love for technology. It wasn't just technology for the te sake of technology. It was also trying to use data in a better way. So whether that was like using Excel better, pretty pictures and graphs, because a picture tells a thousand stories like we all know, but also it's a case of using Power BI and other emerging technologies in that time. And then effectively came to the point that I was doing an awful lot of work for Sage, uh, speaking of webinars, using their technology, thinking about the future. And they asked me if, they, if I would like a job with them. And some people say that's history. And now that's what I'm doing at Sage. Just touching on that Power BI mentioned there, I mean, if you were using that sort of three or four years ago, that means you're very much one of the early adopters, really. Oh, very much so. I was using Power BI back in tw late 2015 when it was first came, came, came out. I just thought it was an awesome tool. As accountants, every day is a school day. It's our job to make our clients excited about their businesses. And therefore, technology is an enabler to that conversation point. Obviously, with Sage's well-known troubles of getting a well-established desktop system into the cloud, do you think that's now behind it? Oh, very much so. And I think that what it comes down to is probably uh, public awareness, because when you consider the, the notoriety and the awareness of Sage 50, when people think about, let's say, desktop or bookkeeping solutions, Sage 50 is up there just because it's been born and bred over 20 years and it's refined as much as you could do so. And therefore, when you've got, let's say, a situation in terms of, let's say, supporting accountants or as business owners, providing the right tools which they need to use for the day-to-day -day bookkeeping, and it's all about providing them choice. And I think when we think about the immediate recent history, that big legislation change, which was MTD for VAT, which was just filing a back return via software, our mission always was support the accountants and provide the accountants choice. And if you had accountants who are using Sage 50, it was it's a big enough upheaval anyhow in terms of the legislation changes, think about agent service account, having conversations with the clients. And therefore, it's a bright and choice whether it was like Sage 50 for being compliant or native cloud solutions. So got through MTD for VAT. And then really it was a case of, right, 
enabling accountants to be more digitized going forward. Uh, so therefore, you would probably seen our acquisitions of auto entry, thinking about the future of accountancy. And then just as we're going to put our foot down on other sort of cloud matters, that little thing called a pandemic came along. And therefore, we had to pivot our business from, let's say, actually digitizing accountants and providing the right tools to supporting accountants and supporting small business owners to effectively survive. And whether that's either making sure their tools were, let's say, for payroll, uh, ready for furlough, providing support and help and advice, they were the key priorities as a business. But as you can probably see over the last nine months, there's been more confidence in terms of what's happening, let's say, generally than businesses. Uh, we are able to actually sort of come out and actually provide a little bit more helping hand in terms, not only in terms of helping business grow and survive, but also in the technology. And when you look at the technology point of view, um, bookkeeping is relatively straightforward, but actually giving business owners the tools to be legislatively compliant, that's a different challenge. And this year, whether it was like Brexit or CIS reverse tax, uh, that's more than just a legislation change. It's a functionally different way on how you do your accounting. And we built all that functionality on day one within the product, something which we're really proud of because from a competitor stance, we've really put the effort in terms of actually making life really easy or easier for business owners and accountants. Very on brand, so very well done. I'm just going to wind it back a little bit, though, because obviously, you know, I was one of the early early adopters, if you like, or at least early, early potential users of Sage One when it was released. And looking back then, comparing it to what was around in the market then, it was... You know, it was a substandard product. I sage certainly in my eyes got quite rightly were, were, were quite heavily criticised for for the launch of that product, and and for standing by that product for for so long before it eventually eventually got pulled, replaced by what we now see with Sage Business Cloud Accounting. So is that criticism fair? And and what lessons did Sage have to learn as a consequence of getting their fingers burnt? I think think it is fair because like you, I was one of those of Sage Accounting, or Sage One at that time. And also as users of Sage, we have very high perceptions of the quality that we'd expect from Sage. But I think the key thing that we have probably all experienced, whether we are users, accountants, or advocates of the, of the product, it's a case of Sage has quite rightly recognized maybe some of the weaknesses, but now the portfolio of solutions, it's ensuring that let's say, whether you're an accountant or a bookkeeper or a business owner, whether you're trying to do bookkeeping or payroll or the data automation or even online compliance, all those tools are available in the cloud and all those tools are getting all of our investment at this very moment in time. Okay. And so if those online tools are getting all of the investment, we've just seen in fairly recent weeks that Intuit you know, have announced that QuickBooks desktop is going to be put out to pasture. So are we going to expect the same from Sage? I mean, their announcement does really open the door for Sage to do the same with desktop products. It does. But then again, it's not the right thing for the customer, is it? And I would like to think that in the UK, Sage 50 has been the slightly more used desktop tool over QuickBooks desktop. Uh, but also the fact that Sage 50 is a very powerful tool. And therefore, it's a case of ensuring that actually business owners who want to use a desktop tool have that functionality. And there are certainly no plans to actually end of life Sage 50, effectively, because so many people use it, so many people are reliant on it. And at the same time, it goes back to what I was talking about, MTD and VAT. You have to give the customers choice and you always need to ensure that they actually have the functionality, the capabilities which enable them to run their business. And people don't like disruption. 
and therefore we try to minimise the disruption at every point in time. But surely at some point there's going to be a decision made for Sage, isn't there? Because at some point you're going to be running effectively two products that are almost on parity with each other in terms of features and, and you know compliance requirements. And Sage can't, for the longer term, sustain maintaining two products in two different environments. Well, inevitably that will happen at some point, but I cannot see that for quite some time. But then again, when you look at, let's say, the capabilities of Sage Accounting today, um, any business which is using Sage 50 Essentials, they can get all that functionality in the cloud. And therefore, it's actually just ensuring that at the right point in time, when businesses uh, basically feel that they want to move to the cloud or there's certain feature functionality capabilities that exists for them. We also need to ensure that we're maintaining and keeping our Sage 50 users compliant especially when it comes to those next horizons of making tax digital, especially with corporation tax falling sometime post-2026, uh, 2027, maybe. Clearly, MTD has had ramifications already on the software space, hasn't it? And we've seen with both VAT and now with personal tax that that, that can has been kicked down the road by the government at least once. So who knows if that timetable for corporation tax will be adhered to. So you're saying that Sage's focus now is on those cloud products and investments going into those, into those cloud products. But what needs to be done then on those products is that investing on the platform itself or is that investing to to provide the sort of marketplaces that we see with probably your two key competitors certainly in the uk with zero and, and quickbooks because my personal view is that they still offer better options and sage business cloud accounting does them and and so the, the usability and the suitability for a wider range of clients is, is better at the moment well, there are two ways of looking at it. One in terms of um, core functionality within the bookkeeping solution, and then maybe that extended ecosystem of applications. Um, I'll take the extended ecosystem point first of all, because there's one thing which I hear day in, day out from accountants is the fact that there's probably too much choice out there for them. They effectively want to be using tools which are enabling them to get the work job done, they want tools which are a value for money. They want tools which actually have the capabilities which they need. And sometimes they just want to say, well, if I want a, an application which supports me with a client in construction, Sage, which are the best two or three which I need? And therefore, I'm going to trust Sage because they're ensuring that the integration is good. It's got the extensive capabilities it's got. But it's also more, they've got, got the support. Because I think these days, the fact that technology can be complicated, it's complex. And if we can make lives and as well as the decisions easier, great. So really, our focus has actually been creating a really sort of curated, tight ecosystem for the last 18, 12 months of secondary apps, which help support not only verticals, but also functionality. And personally, I think we actually got a really great app stack. If you're an accountant, bookkeeper or business owner, to actually meet those extended needs. Then I think when it comes, let's say, to the core bookkeeping solution, I'm pretty sure there's not really much missing at the moment because we've launched multi-currency banking. We've got smart reporting coming out this month. But also it's a case of it's not just thinking about what people perceive as missing, but what have we got which other people haven't got? And therefore, when I speak to accountants, they love the fact that we've got a proper audit trail. They can track any transaction with, within accounting. The fact that we've actually delivered sort of proper CIS reverse tax functionality for subcontractors, as well as, let's say, postponed VAT accounting within the application. We've really always focused on ensuring that the, the compliance end of the software is top notch. And really, that's the end of the day, is accountants enabling their clients to actually be compliant and also giving them confidence in terms of the underlying data. 
going back to that point about people obviously trust Sage, but equally accountants are struggling with with the wide variety of, of apps that are out there. What is Sage going to do different than say Zero do? How are you going to do that differently? Well, supporting these third-party apps, they're also trying to sort of enter the ecosystems themselves. They're trying to sort of start off with new customers. And I think if you sort of speak to any of the app partners, which we talked about over the last six, nine months, we try to provide as much hands-on support as possible. So mm -hmm. it's not just saying, well, here's our API, go and play with it and go and connect. We actually provide human support to support them, their integration, and also think outside the box. Because we want to ensure that any users of the app, as well as users of Sage Accounting, have an even better experience in terms of functionality. And I think that's where we probably go a little bit deeper in terms of actually supporting the app players. And we always think about, well, what's happening in the ecosystem? What are the problems, the challenges, the jobs which our customers need to solve? And then we go and actually find solutions for them. On the acquisitions, you know, you touched you touched briefly on the fact that you've made some acquisition or to entry, and we we spoke to James as well about acquiring the business that he's built up. So, how does that fit into the wider Sage strategy, and where do you go next with that? It would then need to say technology platform, and thinking about where you are today, and thinking about accelerating your position for tomorrow. You always go to that that sort of mindset in terms of do I build, do I buy, do I partner? And when things like with auto entry, it became a no brainer. That was like a functionality set, which accountants required because it's, at the end of the day, we want to support accountants to be more efficient, save time and create capacity. And therefore, if we can enable accounts to do that, brilliant. At the same time, it's probably not such bigger news. We actually acquired a business called KKHR. And so this is a cloud HR solution, which has now been firmly and well and truly embedded into our online payroll solutions. And therefore, additional functionality will be released very soon. Because the whole point is business owners want to ensure that their staff have real-time access to the payslips. It's not just the payslips, it's actually how they work with their employees, whether it's rotors or timesheets or the onboarding or actually booking holiday or just messaging. And having that all that information in one platform is key. And then also with our, the recent acquisition of Go Proposal, because again, Sage always looks towards the future. And with that little thing called making tax digital for ITSA, when it was landing in April 23 and now the 3rd of April 24, I've been saying for quite some time, each one of an accountant's clients will have to be repriced, reviewed and re-engaged. As accountants in practice, we know something as simple as a letter of engagement isn't literally a tick in a box exercise. It could be two, three hours worth of time. And if we could automate that process, scale that process, and give all that time back to the accountants, it means that the accountants are in a stronger position to actually deliver MTD ITSA. We want to make sure that are ensured that not only is the data and the technology is seamless and easy to use, but also the visual experience is key because Accountants and bookkeepers tend not want to be bouncing from too many applications. They want a single sign-on, as much information as possible. At the same time, they do not want to waste time rekeying information from one place to another. Obviously, you guys made a fairly big announcement uh, down in London. Fair to say that for those that attended, they they definitely got it. I think for those that maybe didn't attend and, and have seen the press releases, it's maybe a little less clear about what, what you're trying to achieve with that. So could you explain a bit more about what you're building there and what the benefits are going to be to accountants and businesses that will see that. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, so Sage launched Sage for Accountants. This is a platform that we've built and effectively it's the unification of a variety of our cloud services. Uh, so therefore accountants, whether you've got a single license or a single client, 
or a thousand clients. Being able to manage all your clients in one place is key. So it's client management, but the ability to actually manage entities. So with, let's say, the future in terms of managing not only a single entity and company and the various directors and sole trades, etc., in one place, it enables the accountant to have instant access to Sage Accounting, Sage Online Payroll, bringing in data from auto entry, but also with go proposals, so winning new clients and ensuring they're pricing correctly. It was our intent and promise to accountants in terms of how we're going to support them going forward. So therefore, it's a case of having access to our online compliance tools, year in accounts preparation, CT600, personal tax return preparation, not only in terms of, let's say, single click accessibility, but also free of charge for the accountants. Because again, we really just want to knock down barriers in terms of how accountants can work with Sage. With MTD ITSA and approximately 4 million entities, individuals who will now have to be using some sort of digital tool, accountants are actually concerned about how much it's going to cost them, what software they need to choose, and also when they bring clients on board. So Sage for Accountants as a platform enables accountants to actually buy single license of software. It'll provide them three months free of charge. So obviously, we all know it takes time for the client to actually get on board and set up and feel the benefits of it. So a single window into Sage through a single sign-on with access to all the technology. And that's only the start of it as well. Yeah, that feels to me a little bit like practice management software, if, if I could sort of distill it into something very <laughs> simplistic. And of course, there's a lot of competition in that space, particularly in the end, you know, the smaller end of the market where you seem to be targeting and Again, we'll touch on that. I suppose the key thing for lots of accountants and, and maybe for those accountants that were with Sage 10 years ago, but have gravitated away to, to the likes of Zero and QuickBooks online, is this platform going to be agnostic? Are you going to be able to plug in your Zero and QuickBooks clients, your free agent clients, whatever it might be? Or is it just another closed book and, and not going to really solve the problems that accountants in this space have? Oh, you can't be closed in this world. And I think this is the whole point is when we acquired Autoentry, we said... It's a tool for the accountant to work with any type of their clients, no matter what bookkeeping system they want. And we've kept to that promise, haven't we? As functionality was built, it was made available to every accountant, no matter what solution they had. Um, same with Go Proposal. It's the case of still in the integration that exists today and tomorrow. But also with Sage for Accountants as a platform, we encourage you to actually put all your clients on the system. So the whole point, it does not matter if you're there using Zero or QBO or free agent. Uh, the fact is that accountants want a single list which they can see all their data. So we built a Sage VAT Center and therefore it does not matter what solution you use to find your VAT returns. That was built to suck all the data from the new agent service account and surface that to the accountant so they can actually see what VAT returns have been submitted or not submitted, penalties, interest, payments made. And that sort of single view is what accountants require. That's not entirely new, though, is it, Chris? I mean, you know, we've seen that in Zero HQ. They had the similar thing for MTD for that. And, and we've also seen it with what was Xavier has now become part of Dex. You know, they had a similar tool that surfaced that kind of VAT information. So I know that accountants appreciate these things, but it's not entirely innovative. In terms of future potential acquisitions, I mean, I, I, I clearly understand that you're not going to tell us what might be on the on the list. But, not on this um, podcast, on the next one, maybe. <laughs> But how much trust can accountants put into Sage in terms of making acquisitions, but then not shutting it down to, to other competitors? Because that's definitely the route that Intuit seem to be taking at the moment. It's certainly not the, the route that we're taking. 
And as I said, uh, take us from our word from the last couple of years. We've not changed our approach with auto entry. You speak to James Ashford and he'll, he believes what we're doing. Even putting to a side the, the top three or four, business owners are making their own decisions in terms of what booking institution they're going to be using. They're using some of the, some of the neo banks in terms of actually the light bookkeeping solutions. And therefore, you're not. Why would an accountant forcefully move a client from one bookkeeping solution to actually meet their own needs? It's not the, right to actually block people out. But there, there are accountants that have taken that route, though, haven't there? You know, there are accountants who have quite openly said, well, we will only take a zero client or we'll only take a QuickBooks client or we'll only work with you if you're on those tools and then move them directly from another product. So that is something that does happen in the market. I don't think it's as prevalent as it once was. Is it fair to say, though, equally, that for Sage to have shut down auto entry to competitors or to have done the same with growth proposal would have been hugely damaging and, and massively impactful on the value of that? Because, you know, let's be perfectly fair, when you bought auto entry, the vast majority of the users were not within the Sage portfolio. And I certainly know that James has built up a core following of firms that were on other account cloud accounting tools so you, you couldn't have bought that and switched it off the next day because you know they would have just gravitated off towards something else uh, that's correct so uh, it, but also goes to the point of fact that going back to accountants who make a single gl decision to run their practice that isn't the way in which most practices work if you whether you whatever number you take in terms of the number of practices whether it's twenty five thousand, forty thousand, or seventy thousand, as some some providers say the numbers are going for a single gl are very few and far, far between so again, the point is the fact that you can trust Sage because we want to actually ensure that we can support you through whatever legislation changes are coming. Accountants want certainty in terms of how, actually how they can operate going forward and you shouldn't be locking people out. It's just not, it's just not right. Yeah. So are Sage playing the game really well in terms of strategy at the moment or is it a fact that you know your competitors have had a few missteps over the last uh, couple of years? Because I think it's fair to say that the, the trust and the, the reliability maybe of people who invested in Zero has dropped a little and they've certainly not delivered on some of their strategic objectives and what they've laid out and Intuit now seem to be wanting to sort of you know cut, cut accountants and bookkeepers out of the market. So are you just making hay while the sun shines? No, and I think from my personal point of view, I, I'm an accountant by trade. I, I've still, I'm still an accountant. I still refer to myself as an accountant. And I've never been so excited working for Sage than I have in the last or six to nine months because the strategy is key. The strategy is all around supporting accountants. And when you think about, um, I don't think it'd be right for me to comment on, let's say, the other two competitors in terms of their approach to life which markets they're targeting, maybe some of the issues they may have had, uh, because really, whether, like everything, problems and challenges happen to each or one of us. And I could self-admit and probably identify situations where Sage may not have been its best in class on that day. But speaking as a Sage employee, as a Sage advocate, as an accountant, Sage's strategy is 100% around supporting accountants. With, with the announcements on on sort of the Sage Accountants you know portal and things like that, I mean, as, as somebody who works with a bigger firm, my my gut feel is that you seem to be now targeting the lower end of the market in terms of firms and and, and businesses. Is that fair? No, it's, it's not fair. We're, we're basically supporting every type of accounting firm. So when you think about what Sage are actually doing. We're trying to enable accountants of whatever size firm or practice or age to use our tools. And therefore, if you are a medium or large size practice, 
you have systems in place which you're not going to move or change, whether it's your practice management solution or your year-end compliance solution. But what we do need to ensure that if you're going to be working with your clients in the cloud, whether it's bookkeeping or automation, you have access to that information, you have access to the tools, you have access to the education and support. So can I pick you up on that then? So as, a, as a medium-sized practice, yes, we can work with our clients on the cloud, where they are on the cloud, and, and we've got the ability to move them. But the problem is, is that we then have to stop that process to do that year-end compliance and take them back onto old-school legacy products. And you know, at the moment, you know, I don't see anything from Sage or from many of the other vendors that caters for us as, as, a, as a firm in the cloud to, to compete with the small firms where you are providing solutions at work. Yeah, so the, what we're talking about is year-end compliance tools, aren't we? Yeah. Steps. Yeah, and I think when we actually look at, let's say, the whole ecosystem of native cloud compliance, it's still pretty embryonic, isn't it? It is, yeah. There isn't actually any key single solution which is actually supporting those more complex entities in terms of reporting. And therefore, I think it's a massive opportunity for a technology provider to really focus on those needs of a medium and large accountancy firm. And therefore, it's a case of you need to start from somewhere. And I think it's a case of we already have uh, reporting solutions in the cloud, as do zero tax, as do KPM as do tax filer. They're all working in that space, but they're all at the moment still lacking that nuance of functionality, which we all remember and know and love. And it's a case of actually putting that investment in those tools to actually support those more complex needs. Yeah. But you you do already have that nuanced functionality because you are vendors of a you know desktop suite of products that would deal with corporation tax compliance, accounts production, all of those things. So why, why is it that we're going in at the bottom end and why are we not taking those products fully into the cloud as one single solution? Well, one of the advantages is because Sage have been in that space for quite some time, we have a huge amount of knowledge. So we have experts in terms of the financial reporting standards, taxation, as well as in terms of actually how accounts want to use these tools. And therefore it's a case of we are completely focused on actually extending the functionality of those year-end compliance tools. And as I said, you have to start from somewhere. And again, with Sage for Accountants, we've launched light client management, and therefore you basically suggest, well, that not that not practice management in some shape or form? And it's the whole point is when you actually start off with a platform, it enables you to actually build with iterations, but also build at pace as well as launch them faster. Native cloud naturally is more difficult and more challenging to build not just because in terms of the, the, the depth of capability and functionality, but also ensuring how do you get all that richness in a single browser, in a single screen? And in some respects, it's not the engineering, it's making sure that the user experience is correct. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that point. And I mean, I think, I think you're right, is that the user experience has to be important and it has to be good because we've seen products both on desktop and on the cloud where the user experience has been poor. And generally, I think they get dropped quite quickly. From my personal point of view, if you like, it's just it's just extremely frustrating that cloud is not new anymore. All of the legacy vendors have been saying, oh, it's three to five years, but well, we'll get our products into the cloud. And we're still here, you know, 10 years later, and we've still got nothing tangible to see for that. 
is there another three to five year window that we've got to wait for or do you think it'll be quicker than that i think there's going to be an acceleration in that route because every every one of the major vendors have been saying this for the last three to five years and um, i think we're we're post we're all actually on this call we're all quite nosy individuals we try think about what the other vendors are doing. We read well, we, we basically, let's say, see and talk to other vendors. And I think when you listen and hear what the other vendors are attempting to do, they're all striving for that direction of travel. It's a case of when, it's not how. I think we've all worked out how it's difficult, but actually it's the when. And when you've got these, let's say, these certain horizon points over the next three to five years, Thing, certain things have to be delivered because someone is, someone is going to come into the market quite quickly and deliver something, capture it, create that excitement again. And who would have thought compliance could be exciting? And, and maybe that's what we're going to be seeing. It's like the, the year in accounts and tax preparation is going to be the key cool thing to basically get back into. Well, I, I, I'm with you. I, I totally think it's going to be, you know, certainly, you know, I, I speak to a lot of other top 100 firms, you know, also part of HLB International Group, and we, we speak to other firms who all have the same pain points is that, you know, we're, we're not in the, you know, FRS 105, 102, 18 territory. We're in, you know, complex organizations, you know, complex sets of accounts and complex compliance requirements. And, you know, we're all champing at the bit for a solution to come along. And the first person there is going to is going to be absolutely raking it in because we'll all jump at the same time, pretty much. I totally agree with you on that one, John. So that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Moving on there. We touched on MTD and, and we've seen that the personal tax stuff's going to kick down the road. And rumour had it that Sage as an organisation were probably one of the most well-prepared. The delays that we saw on, on VAT allowed some of your competitors to, to, to catch up a little bit. Where are the sort of opportunities and challenges now for both the software providers, but also for accountants and businesses coming out the other side? Let's start off with one thing. So on the 23rd of September, there was something called a deferment of making tax digital to 2024. But in reality, that wasn't a deferment. The majority of small businesses, I sole traders, have 31st of March year ends. And technically, these weren't mandated to MTD until April 2024. So really, they technically only had like six days extension. So the timelines haven't really changed apart from, let's say, that little group called Landlords. So when it comes to, let's say, the opportunities of the technology providers, it's all about the opportunity isn't just actually making sure that we've got selling more licenses, it's actually making sure they're actually selling the right type of software solutions to the business owner. Because if you're a small business and you're only turning over 30 to 40,000 pounds, I would have thought the relationship you have with your accountant once a year is literally income and expenditure. So I think the whole point is where the technology providers should be coming to the space is thinking about how do the most simplest of businesses adopt cloud technology in a way which doesn't disrupt how they actually operate today, apart from having to operate four times a year than once a year. Now, when it comes to, let's say, some of the challenges, I think some of the challenges is it's the actual detail on MTD, because I think all the software providers are still seeking a little bit more, let's say, understanding in terms of actually what does a digital transaction look like um how do hmrc want landlords to operate landlords are the most challenging group of individuals to support a sole trade is relatively straightforward but when you've got landlords and you could be a buy to let or a furnished holiday let 
both of which need to be reported under one quarterly submission. And then you mix that up a bit in the fact that I could own a property, I could own property with my wife, but then I could also have a own, share of property ownership with maybe my sister and maybe other individuals, all of which will likely have separate bookkeeping solutions, all of which need to be filed through one quarterly submission under my name. So it's not the bookkeeping. I think it's actually ensuring that the, the user experience, the customer experience is as painless as possible. And unfortunately, that is going to be on the shoulders of the software providers. So does that put Hammock on the Sage shopping list next then? <laughs> no, 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 because the whole point is you need to understand what we're building under, under the surface. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Where's next then for Sage? Where do we see Sage going over the next 12 months or so? Obviously, you've made all of these announcements around, you know, trying to re-engage with accountants, maybe trying to win back that position that maybe Ciro stole off you guys 10 years or so ago. And, and obviously, we've seen some quite interesting and exciting acquisitions and things. So what more can we see? There are a couple of things you'll see from Sage, case of us being a little bit more prouder and louder of what we've done, because I think when you think about our online compliance tools, they have been around for quite some time. We've just not talked about them. And I think this is the whole point is me being an accountant and a user. It's the frustration is the fact that we've got some, some amazing technology. We've just not spoken about it. So it'd be very much a consultative working with you, thinking about ways of actually working with your colleagues in the firm slightly differently, but also thinking about how you create awareness to their clients about MTD. So that's from, let's say, almost like a soft approach to also awareness of what the software is. But also, as I've said, is the fact that there's an area of year-end compliance which needs to be built up on. We already have a great online payroll solutions, so they will be extended naturally. And also we need to be thinking about how do we support firms of your size with online payroll bureau systems. So the whole point is it's going to be building out the solutions which we've got in the cloud, making them deeper, more integrated, but also thinking about how we really do support accountants and bookkeepers for MTD itself. So one final question then, which I suppose gets back to the, the title of the podcast in terms of, you know, Sage has been quite openly criticised by some people as been a bit of a dinosaur. So what do you say to those people who think, you know, Sage is dated or is not really moving with the times. And you don't have to be totally on, on message here, Chris. So, you know, I, I'd be interested in hearing what your sort of real feelings and thoughts are on that. Well, uh, let's take the dinosaur theme. We're coming back with bite and we're roaring, all right? Now, <laughs> as, as an accountant, um, I was frustrated when I was in practice. I, because I was looking at, let's say, all the exciting stuff which other providers were delivering. Um, I was thinking about how I could drive further efficiency in my practice, but there are a few frustrations in terms of functionality. But when you're in Sage and you see the amazing stuff which is being built in the background, it's never been more exciting. And when I've seen what people build, we build well, we build for the future. So even you think of something as simple as bank fees, right? Rather than sort of thinking about, oh, we need to create an integration with stage accounting and maybe think about when into attack or 200 or 50, we create one single environment for bank fees where we interact with all the banks, bring all that data together, and therefore our application can interact once. So it's creating that efficiency of scale. We want to mitigate and minimize business failure. And this is the whole point is, ensuring that accountants have the time and capacity to support their clients, ensuring that small business owners have the confidence in their own finances 
encourage them to use the right digital solutions. Sage is a UK PLC, Sage is UK at heart, and therefore what can we do to help the UK economy? Thank you very much for that, Chris. I, I really appreciated your thoughts and your insights and your, your honesty. What I kind of take away from, from certainly what you've done at Sage over the last few years goes back to that point about being proud about what you do and really sort of getting that message out there that Sage is coming back and that you are building some good quality products. I think it's fair to say that you've still got to win quite a lot of the marketplace over, but certainly those who, who maybe have moved on and you may, may never win back, but it's good to have some healthy competition in this space. Everyone loves a bit of competition. The whole point is sort of keeps us awake and agile, always thinking about tomorrow. So I'm quite excited really for the next 12, 18 months because it's going to be a very competitive landscape. What will Sage do to disrupt 2022? I'm looking forward to that. Really well, I wanted to ask a question. What do you really think of Stuart Hurst? <laughs> I think Stuart's doing a great job in actually uh, showing what accountants can do when they're using technology. But also, more importantly, um, how do you actually advocate your brand, isn't it? And therefore, if Stuart is making noise about himself, brilliant. There are so many different types of accountants out there. And also, there's so many different types of business owners. And therefore, it's a case of people buy from people in the day. Stuart's fun and games, isn't he? You see, you see uh, the what the TikTok accountant, that's what he is. It's an observation that I do have. Like, I feel a couple of years back, though, Sage was compared more to Iris probably two or three years back, whereas I don't see Iris and Sage as the same anymore. I don't know what, what that is. Maybe it's just a perception, but I feel like it's actually more I, dynamic. I, than. It's probably down to acquisition slightly, I think. Mm. where iris have gone and bought products they're completely different into the the sage acquisition model um and i think that that path is kind of differentiated between two that's how i see it. i don't know what you think chris we're trying to do complete unification of everything it needs to be a really seamless simple almost so you think about sage you don't think about bookkeeping or payroll or automation or, yeah. or compliance you just think about i'm using sage today to get the job done the bit I think is going to be interesting is that like, Zero have obviously gone out and bought Locate now, um, which is the Inbridge side. And that's always what the historic Sage 50 product, that's the differentiator yeah. would kick people on. So it'd be interesting to see if your acquisition model now goes to go and buy an inventory platform and integrate it in. But I'm not, that's not a question, just, uh, no. just an interesting. I, 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 think, I think infantry and e-commerce are the areas which are very important to get right. The competitors have been switching off connections, haven't they? Yeah, especially in Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It was a pleasure to have Chris on today's episode talking about Sage's roadmap and the acquisitions that have been made. And it was good for us to kind of understand more about the appetite longer term, working with accountants. Chris, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, if they want to get a hold of me, I'm maybe on LinkedIn. Maybe people may have seen me there. Otherwise, it's a good old-fashioned email. So that's chris.downing at sage.com. Ryan, how did you find today's episode and how can people get a hold of you? Today's episode was great, Indy. Uh, and thank you for taking on and hosting, considering I can barely speak. But if anyone wants to reach out to me, normal thing, LinkedIn, please send me a message. And uh, otherwise, drop me a tweet at ryannpsc. And John? You can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Or you can try and find me on, on Twitter. It's John underscore Toon. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And if you have spent some time listening to today's episode, 
then please do give us a review, give us a shout out, please share it on LinkedIn. If you have any feedback about today's episode, please do drop us a note in any way you see fit. Great episode. Thanks for the posting.